Carrie Couch um, coming off the top ropes, messing me up there. I, I, didn't, I didn't see that one coming. When you, when you said you were going to start reading stuff, I didn't know who he had uh, inquired of. So that was pretty cool. Uh, after we have our closing prayer tonight, we can have a rap session. Uh, Mike Kessler and I will hit the one-twos, and it'll be, it'll, it'll be awesome. Um, this is different for me. Um, the reason that it's different for me, some of you may remember this, we moved to Columbia and we said we've moved to Columbia, we've got a new job and we're going to place membership for, for the first time in our adult lives. Uh, to give you a little bit about our DNA, we've always gone and just started working with the church uh, in an official capacity. And so this was our first time to say we're going to place membership, we don't know what that's like. Uh, we met uh, with, with two of the elders uh, we sat in this room and we said, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And we walked out of that room and we didn't do it. Uh, we didn't do it for a couple of years uh, here in Columbia. And Columbia is not the town uh, that you want to come to and not jump in and place membership because people want to know where you're planted. They want to know who you're with. And this church here, I can, I can tell you unequivocally that the reason that we are members here um, is not because of his candy. Um, it's not just because of the, the rockin' youth ministry only, but it's because this is family. It's because I can look at this church family and mean it. People pick up my kids. People discipline my kids. Uh, people carry us different places. People have walked with us through a baby that was hospitalized, through an adoption. And so the reason that I say that this is different for me is strictly because I don't always get to go and speak where I'm a member. Uh, a lot of times it's traveling and doing that guest speaking. I'm 37 years old, and I've placed membership one official time in my life, and this is it, and there's no take-backs, all right? And so I'm, I'm here, Carrie, and so it's a different vibe for me, and it is fun for me. Uh, if you remember, if you were here on a Sunday, the last time that we spoke here, we had, if it was the first service, we talked about baseball. If you're here at the second service, we brought a baseball team up on stage. And uh, we were getting ready to go to the state tournament. We are going to have some fun. Well, I didn't do my dates just right. And I knew I was speaking here tonight. And the state tournament started this past weekend on the 15th. And Malia, the good wife, um, she liked that 29 thing, uh, she kept saying to me, you got to call Carrie Couch. you got to call Carrie Couch. Uh, you, you guys are, you, you want a game, you got to call them and let them know that if you keep winning the team that you're coaching, y'all are going to be playing on Wednesday night. And I said, oh, I don't know, but we'll see what happens. Well, we get in the bracket, we win a game, and I, I make the phone call. And I said, Carrie, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know if we're going to be playing that night. And like a good elder, Carrie said, do you love Jesus or not? No, I <laughs> And he said, it's either the Lord or baseball. And then before he hung up, he said, us together, we stand and sing. But uh, we, we talked about it a little bit, and I said, hey, I'm going to keep you updated through this process. I'm going to let you know what's happening. Well, I stand here tonight um, telling you that there's more important things than baseball, right? And that we lost. Uh, so we are, uh, we are out of the state tournament, and the minute that I finished, I'm used to, like, updating my dad and letting him know, hey, it's the bottom of the third. We just had a strikeout. Well, I texted Kerry. I said, hey, we're good, and I'll see you Wednesday night. And his immediate reply in all seriousness was, yeah, I mean, sorry, that happens. And so, so standing before you tonight, I'm telling you this, is different for me because it is my home church. Uh, it's where we have identified, and it's where we go or where we worship. But also standing in front of you and talking to you about joy it's something that so many of us can relate to because different things 
bring us joy. And if I know me well, what's going to happen tonight is we'll start this thing like a Bible class. I'll ask for a couple of comments, and then a few minutes in, you'll be like, man, he's preaching. Uh, so that's probably the rhythm of what's going to happen. But let's open the floor first, all right? What are things that bring people joy? Yeah, tell me this. We'll go young, old, in between, and I'll come all the way down the aisle. Well, what are some things that bring people joy? Grandchildren, all right? But those of you that are grandchildren, realize this. Uh, they may knock you upside the head or get onto you about stuff, uh, but you bring them joy because you're their redemption tour. Everything they messed up with parents, uh, they get grace for you now, all right? So, so grandchildren are supposed to bring joy. Other stuff that brings people joy. Uh, a wives, good answer, all right? All right, check. Uh, your, your wife brings you joy. There's proverbs about that, about a good woman and a contentious woman. Look it up. And uh, so the, the idea is that men, you, you got married once, all right? And you said, I do, you do, we did, all right? We're good together. You bring me joy, and it's supposed to keep going. It's supposed to be a nice cycle. Uh, I saw a hand over here, stuff that brings you joy. Okay, okay, once every 10 to 12 years, um, the, the balls will, will beat the Gators and, and it brings people joy, all right? Sports, sports will bring people joy, all right? I had a conversation with somebody recently and they said, we talk about idols a lot. And I said, yeah, I don't really think that sports are really an idol for me. And they said, do you know you? Uh, do, do you know how you act when an eight-year-old gets a hit? Uh, do you know how you act when your team wins? All right, th there's a euphoria there's a high that can come from that and it can bring us joy you don't believe me go find a local church in tuscaloosa all right on a sunday morning you go in there man everybody loves jesus all right everybody's excited and once a blue moon there's empty pews all right because sports can bring us joy a lot something else we got oh, let me let me rewind here we've got grandkids we've got wives we've got sports our jobs, okay? There are some people in here right now that went, yes, man, I can't wait to grind. I can't wait to get back. My job brings me so much joy. I, there are people that say, man, I can relate to that and, and what it does for me. There are others of you out here, man, you heard that and went, dude, that's foreign language. Right? There are some people like, your job brings you joy. And other people may say this, woo, uh, that, that's my life and it puts me on the table for me. Your job, something you give so much time to, something you give so much of yourself to, you want it to bring you joy, right? Some of you are going, I just want it to bring me figures. I ate six of them. Right, but, but it's the idea that something you invest in could bring you joy. One more thing, something else. The beach, all right? And, and everybody's different, right? Some people are dying to go to the beach. Man, my family is good when we're there, usually in the standard khaki and white uniform, all right, with the pictures, and no family really acts like that except for in the picture, and the girls are, and everybody's here, but, but, but it brings joy. Those of you that have had bouts with skin cancer, all right, does the beach bring you joy? Like it did once, all right? Uh, but, but then there's other moments where other places, other vacation spots might bring you joy. I don't want to miss anybody on this, but I want to flip this coin over. Okay, helping others. Now we're getting like religious, all right? Uh, serving others, uh, reaching out to other people. Man, being active is the greatest joy. You, you find a church where people aren't serving, where people aren't going, where people aren't doing, and it's irony that they still call it church, but they'll go out there and it's the idea 
that when I'm reaching out to other people, I'm edified. I'm bringing joy to them, joy to my life and to myself. Have I missed anybody else? I know you're a joyful group. All right, let, but let's, let's get real because we're going to jump into the Word and talk about restoring our joy. What are some things that steal your joy? We talked about stuff that brings you joy, but if we've got a topic tonight called restoring my joy, odds are really good that some of us can't relate to even the stuff that was said. Because my grandchildren and Taft are no good. Because I don't really know my grandparents. Because the idea is to have a wife that brings joy. But my family's broken. Well, you know, going to the beach or going on vacation, that, man, that, that brings joy to a lot of people. Um, we don't get to go. Serving others, I've never been a part of a group that really does that. A job who, who, that brings joy to somebody, man, I've, I've had four in the past year, Taft, and it, it doesn't bring it to me. What are some things that take and that steal and that rob our joy? And let's, let's make this a safe nest. Let's make it locker room code so that when you say it, everybody's going, ooh, what's wrong with them? Right, let's just throw answers out here of stuff or things you know that rob or steal joy. Bad health. You can remember when you felt good. Right, when you felt joyful. Man, a lot of people will say it's easy for young people to have joy. All right, they should because their body's intact. They feel good. Uh, what's wrong with you? Everything's good with you. You haven't been to the doctor's appointments that I've been to. Bad health can take your joy. It can take your spirit. It can take something away from your step. Have you ever, if you didn't hear this, he said, Randy talked Sunday about fear. And our fears will rob us of our joy. You ever seen somebody and you said this, you look afraid. Like, no, have you seen the bumper sticker on my car that says, ain't scared? Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not afraid, all right? But, but, but people, all right, you can see fear on somebody's face. If you coach, you can see the athlete that walks in and you think, dude, they're not afraid of anything. That person's not afraid. They step into the box, they step up to the plate, they go out on the court, and they're just ready to dominate. They got their game face on, and you've seen other people in sports that are deathly afraid. And you thought, you're not going to be able to perform. Why? Because you're scared. You've seen Christians before who stood in the face of adversity? And when they stood in the face of adversity, it was this, hey, I am not afraid. I do not have fear. Not because of me, but because of Him. You've seen other people that claim to follow Christ, but in a moment of weakness, I'm not going to say you, but in a moment of weakness, we, we struggle with fear. And it takes our joy. It robs us of our joy. All right? So, so we've got sickness. We've got fear. What else? What else can rob you of joy? Busyness. I was involved with professional ministry uh, for over a decade, and we were busy. And it, it was banging, and we were so excited to show you our calendar. And when an elder would come up to me, they wouldn't say, hey, how did the kids do this weekend? And elders, I want to challenge you here. It wasn't, hey, how did they grow this weekend? You know what the first question was? How many did you carry? How many did you carry? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, here, I'm not talking about carrying. I'm talking about how many kids did you carry? That was the mark for success. How many events do you have? Oh, you're busy. And I remember my bride looking at me one day and saying this. It was in the middle of a summer. Imagine that, of youth ministry. And she said this, we are busy. I'm like, yeah, we're busy on our way to heaven is what I meant to say. And she said this, are we spiritual? 
So, so, so you can be busy as a follower of Christ, but you can backtrack and say this, sometimes being busy steals my joy. A full calendar can steal joy from us because we don't take time, whether or not it's in church life or our daily life, to do what? To slow down. To slow down. All right? so, so that can steal our joy. What else? When people are unwilling to forgive. Now, now this happens because you know what? You hold on to it. I'm not going to let go of this. I'm bitter. i got that nasty face about me all the time. Meanwhile, the other person's living life. And they're going about their business and you're going, how come they're okay? It's because you're the one holding on to, to the bitter pill. All right? And it can steal your joy. It can steal your opportunity. I like this. You said serving brings joy. If I'm mad all the time, if I'm bitter all the time, it's going to rob me of opportunities to do more. What else? I know somebody else has one more thing. Something that steals. You said the news? Okay, it doesn't matter how fair and balanced it might be. What happens is you will look and you will say this, man. I, I, the stuff I see out there, man, that, that robs me of my joy. I'm going to tell about my wife. Um, when we go to bed at night, she has to have something on TV, you ready for this, that has a laugh track on it. It's got to be something she used to love, like Nick at Night or all this stuff, but it's got to be something that's just funny, something where they got that piped-in laughter when we're going to bed. And there have been times, full confession here, I've waited for her to go to sleep, and I've switched it over, and if it's a show that's dun-dun-dun, or and she went, what are you trying to do? I right, she'll wake up, or switch it to the news, oh, it's over. She'll say this, man, looking at that, it's just all this stuff and it's bad news and they don't lead with, let me tell you about something awesome. They lead with, here's how terrible the world is, and you know what it can do? It can steal your joy. You can look around at what somebody's doing or not doing and say, why do people even watch this stuff? I'd like to transition here into this room tonight. Because what we've done so far is talk about some real external things. We've talked about trips to the beach. We've talked about sports. We've talked about flipping the dial over and seeing what's on the news and going, eh, better not. Right? We've looked at all of these different things that are outside. But I think we should talk about us. I think we should talk about us as a church family. Because tonight, if we're going to be people, if you remember the last time I spoke, we talked about heaven. I love what Randy said Sunday. He said, we like to talk about heaven. And you know what my mentality was when I preached here? Hey, you got a shot, get up here and preach. Hey, you can't mess up heaven. All right? Talk about that. Talk about the fact that we win, that it's good, and it makes everybody feel good. But if we believe that all the time, we would have more of a parking problem than you could ever imagine. If we believed it at its core, I, I wouldn't be standing midway up here in this room tonight. I'd be up here going, hey, y'all in the back, listen to this and check this out. If we really were people that have the joy in our hearts that we're supposed to have from Jesus in an authentic way where we're focused on heaven, we, Acts 5.39 style, could not be stopped. But you know what happens? The devil is a thief. We teach kids this when, when they're little, right? We talk about getting up here, and we, we could get a line up of here, and they could talk about this little Christian light of mine, and they'd throw their arms out of socket, 
They have veins, coach veins popping out of their foreheads right here, talking about all around the neighborhood. And they would be into it. And you know what that little line is? Don't let Satan what? <laughs> Spit on it? No. It's don't let Satan blow it out. And they do that. It's almost vehement. The, the way they'll get up here and do it. It's like, I am not going to let my joy be pouted on or rained out by the devil. And then we grow up. And life happens. And it's real easy for a kid to talk about Jesus and to talk about joy, but it's hard for me. Is it hard for you? It's hard for me sometimes because of somebody's health. And I'm more focused on that. It's hard for me because there are people that we encounter every day who claim to be Christians. And if we were just doing an inventory in their life, we'd look and say, do you have real joy in your life? Do, do you have a hope of heaven? Because you've been talking about it for years, but I'm looking for some fruit. And tonight what we need to do is look right here and ask ourselves a few questions. So let's jump in the Word. Romans chapter 14 is where we're going to start. Romans chapter 14. Years ago, we were in Memphis, and we were uh, working with the Woodland Hills Church there in Memphis, and there we were talking to a group of kids about what joy was and about what it means and what it looks like on a daily basis. And there was a guy, he was a new convert, his name was Jack. And we talked to Jack about what it meant to follow Jesus and how when you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, what you're saying is, I sign up for whatever might happen. Well, when I say I'm going to follow Jesus, I believe that there's supposed to be joy, that my life's supposed to change, but that I sign up for, for come what may, whatever might happen. So Jack comes in, and he's been a Christian maybe a week, and he says, I need to get busy. And I hear him, and I'm thinking, hey, let's, let's take a nice pace here. All right, let, let's go slow here. Because the minister in me didn't want to do what? Didn't want to burn him out. I don't want to send you doing all this stuff. And he looks at me, and he says this. He says, Taft, I signed up for this. I signed up. I'm a Christian now. Let's get busy. And so what we do is we find ourselves in the middle of Memphis, and we go on a campaign. And I should have just called it Jack's campaign. Right? But, but we started a campaign with the church. We were knocking on doors. We were talking to people. And we go over into an area called Rosemark. And if you're familiar with it, uh, it's a very country area that's being developed. And we go over... And we send Jack out, and we've got a group going, knocking on doors. And I see Jack for a while, and then he disappears. And he disappears, and I go over, I knock on some doors. I'm like, hey, we're doing a deal at the church. We'd love for you to come. We're just trying to be a church that's about the work. Tucker, we were busy. All right, we were out there doing stuff. And all of a sudden, I don't know how many Walking Dead fans we have here, but all of a sudden, I hear Jack let out a scream and come around the corner looking like he was a zombie. He's dragging a leg. He's coming around the corner. And let me tell you something. He's bloody. He's bloody. He had on these, I remember he had a Bermuda shirt and he had on these shorts. And from here down, his hairy legs, oh man, it was nasty. He's dragging it, coming across here. I said, Jack, what happened? He said, the first door I knocked on, he said, this dog just grabbed me and just grabbed my leg and it wouldn't let go. 
And I look at him, and I'm thinking, this is why we don't do stuff. I look at him, and I'm like, well, what's going on? So we get him bandaged up. We take him back. The best part is we go back around, and we look at the dog. It was like a little chihuahua. I was, I was thinking in my mind, you know, German shepherd, big rig here. That's what I would tell if I was Jack. He is actually a preacher in North Carolina now, and so maybe he tells the story that's a Rottweiler, right? But uh, Jack comes back. We get back to our office, and I told him, I said, Jack, man, I am super sorry that this happened. I know your family doesn't go here. Um, the elders have asked you not to sue us. Now, we, we, we crack these big jokes. You know what he says to me? The same thing that he said when he wanted to get busy. I signed up for this. He looks at me and he says, I signed up for this. And I went to an elders meeting that night and I told him, I said, guys, one of my favorite things about ministry is people who remind you why you do what you do. People remind you how excited you are about doing something. This is a guy that just wanted to get to work. What would you do if your first event, your first work as a Christian, wound up with a canine on your leg? All right, for a lot of us who are all up into signs and, oh, oh Lord, I get it. All right, I'm just going to sit on my couch like all the other Christians. Sorry, that was cheap. Uh, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to be lazy. I'm going to sit back a little. Jack said, I'm wrapped up. When are we going again? He falls in love with a girl at our church. The youth minister in me goes like this. Oh, no, this is going to be bad. This is going to be rough. And so the youth minister in me, I bring him in. And I said, Jack, here's, what, here's something I want you to know. I want you to know that I think it's cool you like Andrea and you're all about her. But, Jack, you were baptized into Jesus, not her. And he says, no, it's fine. I get it. And he goes all about his hobbling way with his wrapped up bandage. And he comes back in one day and he says, things are going to work out with Andrea. And so I put on the ministry hat again, and I said, Jack, here's what I want you to know. We want you here. We, we love you here. We don't want you to leave because she's part of your conversion story. And he looks at me again, like an idiot, and says this, Taff, if I had just come to this church to have a good time and to follow some girl, he said, my conversion wouldn't be real. And this is a man who's bled out for Jesus already. Uh, this is a man who fell in love with his first little flirt-to-convert deal. I, there was a little girl that was cute and all about her, and she, she got him wet in the water, and then she said, we're done. All right? She scored one up for heaven here. But here's what happened. He said, if I had just done this and followed her, this wouldn't be real. And we have people in our lives from time to time that will remind us about how we started and we have people that will remind us why we started on this journey. And I want you to think of that as we're here in Romans 14. This was a, a passage that when Jack preached his first lesson at Woodland Hills, he said, I want to talk about Romans 14, Taff. He said, because I don't think we get it. And when Carrie sent me what tonight's message was about, and I saw Romans 14, I have never gone there. You've all got passages. I've never gone to Romans 14 without thinking about my man Jack. And, and so I, I want to give you that preface here. In Romans chapter 14, what I'd like to do is take us back to verse 13 of Romans 14 and read just a little bit here. Romans 14, beginning in verse 13. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. As one, verse 14, who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. 
Do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Verse 16. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. Verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This isn't just a passage that we picked out and put on the summer series because we went Google search, joy, there it is. Preach on that, buddy. All right? But in Romans 14, what you see is an argument. And what you see are people that have been talking about, I don't know if I'm supposed to do that, and this makes somebody stumble, and this gets somebody confused. And what we see in verse 17 is this. The kingdom of God is about a lot more than that. The kingdom of God is about going back to the beginning and looking at what brought me joy in the first place. So tonight, if we're talking about restoring our joy, the question I have for you is this. In this world, we'll talk about stuff that brings us joy. Winning a sporting event, getting married, having a job, doing good stuff. And then we'll talk about the stuff that steals our joy and that takes it away. But tonight, if you're in an area of your life and you've been robbed of your joy in any capacity, if you're playing a sport that takes up a lot of your time and you used to love it and now it feels just like a job, maybe it's time to go back. If you're at a job that feels like a grind and you say, man, I show up for work, but I'm going to be honest, it steals my joy. Maybe you need to go back to why you took it in the first place. What led you there in the beginning to take that job? And what was it about it that you loved so much in the beginning? And if you can find joy there, revisit it and try to stay. If you can't, it's time to go. Maybe in your marriage, you look at something and you say, you know what, I will used to have joy. And I'm not going to use the same marriage line. If you can find it, stay. If not, it's time to go. That would be a long elders meeting. All right? But what I want to tell you is this. You need to go back to a lifelong commitment that you made and say, why? Why did I do this at the beginning? What was it that I loved about this? And revisit it. Because you know who wants us to be without joy? It's not God. God doesn't want me to be without joy and just say, suffer for me, be miserable now, you'll get a payout later. Because John 10.10 says this. It says that the devil is a thief. And he is a thief that wants to steal my joy. He wants to steal my joy. And it says, but that the Lord came so that I would have, depending on what your Bible says, an abundant or a big life that you would live to the fullest. So let me ask you a question. If I'm a person that walks around all the time and I look miserable, I act miserable, I'm somebody that says, you know what, I I believe that I'm going to heaven, I wish you would just hurry up, and the whole time I interact with you on a daily basis, I am mad, I am angry, I am sour, and then I'm going to try to evangelize? And then I'm going to try to talk to people about Jesus? You ever had somebody tell you, hey, you need to get married. It's something that everybody needs to do. You need to get married. And you say, I've seen you talk to your wife. I've I've seen you talk to your husband. I'm, I'm not picking up what you're putting down because I don't know if you believe in the product that you're pushing. Is this the case with the local church? Is it the case with us? 
Do we really have a joy in our heart? Because many of us might need to look tonight and say this, you know what, I need to hit the reset button. I need to hit a restart button, and it's because of passages. Flip over with me from Romans. Flip over with me to 1 Peter. In 1 Peter chapter 5, there's a warning that I have. And it's a warning that I have that there is someone, like we said, who wants to steal my joy. There is someone who wants to rob my joy. And the reason that the devil wants my joy is because people will not believe in me pushing Jesus or talking about the church if I look miserable all the time. 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at this. Let's go back to verse 6. 1 Peter chapter 5. You've got a commission here, and you've got some words that are being spoken that are good. But look at 1 Peter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. We'll go down to verse 11. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. I got a phone call this weekend. It's from an elder at a church. It's in Cumberland Furnace. I don't know if you know where that is, but starting on Sunday and going through Wednesday, uh, I'm doing a gospel meeting at the Shiloh Church of Christ. It's a nice little country church, and I get a call from one of the elders, and it's what I thought would be a Kerry Couch phone call. Hey, just want to make sure you're coming. Want to make sure you know the times. And I said, hey, I got it. I got it on the calendar. I know what time we're going to be there. And he said, good, Taft. That's not what I want to talk to you about. He said, we got this couple. We got this couple, and, and they've decided that they don't want to be here anymore, and it's torn the church apart. He said they're related to a lot of people that are here. And he said, we're, we're having a hard time getting going. We're having a hard time getting fired up. So I said, okay, Randy can come preach your gospel meeting. He can handle that. <laughs> but, but they said, they said Taff, it's tough right now, and I think that's just something that you should know before you come. And I got off the phone at first and thought, what a phone call. Like, I was pumped. I was excited about coming. And after a little bit, I said, what an elder. To call a guy who's coming. To care enough about his church. To say, we're not happy right now. We've got pain in the middle of us. And at the end of my conversation with him, I said, so what do you want me to preach about? Is there something different that you want me to do? And he said this, I want you to bring hope. And I loved it. I said, this is the kind of church that understands that the devil's doing his thing out there. That the devil's being aggressive out there. So when the devil creeps in here, we've got to be aggressive too. And I think back to what I told you about my buddy Jack. And how he said he wanted to get busy. How he wanted to start doing stuff. And I said, why do you want to stay so busy and active and doing things? And he said, because if I'm not doing work here, I'm going to do it somewhere else. 
And he said, if I'm not active and involved with people here, I'm going to be active and involved with people somewhere else. And I've already given the story away, letting you know that we preached Jack's wedding, that he's a preacher in North Carolina, that he is a trip, that he is a funny guy, and he's got a great story about you know having that dog for Jesus at the very beginning. But the funniest thing to me is that there are people who get it. And there are some of us who have been practicing this for a long time. And a lot of times we fail to remember. I'll tell people all the time about why you should do fill in the blank. Why you should be a part of this organization. Why you should buy our product. Why our service matters to you. Why you should come to church here. Why you should like this sports team. Why you should vote for this person. Why you should fill in the blank on anything that I get passionate about. But when's the last time that somebody asked me what brings you joy? And my first response was Jesus. When's the last time somebody said, Tav, what makes you happy? And the first thing I said was the, the cross. The foot of the cross makes me happy. When's the last time somebody said, hey man, what, what, where do you go for fun? And, and what do you do that gets you fired up? And instead of me saying, dude, I go and cheer for this team or that team, or I watch this show, or I get fired up about that, that I said serving people, getting together with my church family. Realizing that, that he's out there and that he's active and that he is looking to devour me. So you know what? I want to be around people that say, I'm going to protect you and I'm going to be with you and we're going to work hard together. You know what? What I'm guilty of doing is teaching my children songs about joy and telling people that they should know Jesus and hearing people talk about how good it can be but I'm guilty, and maybe you are too tonight, of forgetting about how it all started. That's what I want to ask you to do tonight. I want, to, I want to ask you to do this exercise. I want you to think back to when you met Jesus. What did it look like? Who brought him to you? How long did it take? How did people react when you met Jesus? Were they shocked? Were there people that said this? It's about time, man. We've been waiting on you to do this forever. Were there people that said, you? For real, you? Oh, okay, then we'll want to see how this one goes, all right? What did it feel like? Well, when you got baptized and you came out of that water, did you look around and think, whoa, man, I'm, I'm waiting for the lights, and I'm waiting for like the foundation to shake and go, da, 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 you know, we did it. What did it feel like when you talked to somebody about Jesus for the first time? What did it feel like when you went to somebody and you said, hey, I'm still messed up in the sense of I'm going to mess up today and I'm going to mess up tomorrow, but you know what? Right now, I know the one that holds my future in his hands. What did it feel like? And here's what I want to ask you tonight. Do you even remember? Because the one who is a thief, the one who is trying to take my joy, the one who's described as being a roaring lion, prowling around, looking to devour, looking to eat it up, looking to steal it. You know what? He wants you to either not be able to remember or to think an exercise where you're trying to remember is silly or juvenile or ridiculous. I want to ask you tonight to just go back with me for a second. To go back to the beginning and to go back to what brought you joy in the first place. I want to ask you the question, if a little kid stands up here and says, this little Christian light of mine, and they're pumped up and they're excited, and then some of us adults stand over here and go, 
Send the light, the blessed gospel light. In between this excitement over here and this ritual and routine over here, what changed? What's different? And does it have to be a permanent change? The message tonight is this. Restoring our joy. And I won't mention any names, but a woman came up to me tonight, <clears throat> named Joy, and said to me, I'm glad you're speaking about me tonight. And so she's going to be restored when it's over. But now, we're talking about this for all of us. It's about a name that we do wear. And I wear the name Joy because that comes through Jesus Christ. And saying that that comes through Jesus Christ has to be something not that I'm just this robot every day going around going, life is good and you can be a part of it. Come on over to church. We don't have any problems. We got joy all the time. We get bit by dogs and we just keep going. All right. But no, looking at people and saying this, I'm broken. I'm a mess. I don't have it all figured out. But you know what else I know? I know that the devil is a thief and that he wants me to feel like I'm robbed of my joy. And I know a place where we can go to have that restored. My little man, who's still got the baseball mohawk, it comes off soon, the other day told me, it was a Sunday, and he said, we're all getting ready for church. And being the oldest in a family is tough when you've got to get ready for church because you've got responsibilities. Right? You've got to get them ready, and you've got to help Mama, and you've got to get us there. And he said, Dad, I need to talk to you. I said, no, you don't. That shirt is fine. And he said, no, Dad, I need to talk to you. I said, no, you don't. Cole is fine. He goes, I need to talk to you. I said, okay, right before we leave, you can talk to me. So we get the car loaded, and he stops me at the front door, and he says, Dad, when you were a little kid, did you ever get bored at church? I said, no, man, I, I love Jesus. What are you talking about, get bored at church? And I said, Wyatt, I totally get it, and I totally understand it happens. And you know what he did? He looked at me and he goes, I just wanted to make sure that that was okay and that I could still go. We know, no matter how great the preaching is, no, no matter how much you love the song service, no matter how much you believe in the place, that we all have a human struggle. But I thought it was funny that he said this. Yeah, I'm a little messed up. Yeah, I struggle. But can I still go? The devil wants me to say no, stay home. The devil wants me to say, no, you don't have real joy. Do life alone. God says this, you're a mess. You're broken. That's why we have the cross. That's why we have hope. That's why we have joy. If you need your joy restored tonight, I want to pray to God now for that for you. Let's pray. Father God, we hope that in everything that we do that we will never, ever claim to be perfect. God, we hope we won't act that way. Lord, forgive us if the message we've been putting out to other people is, I have joy, you don't. What's wrong with you? But God, we hope that we will be people that if we proclaim to have something from your son, God, that it will be authentic, that it'll be real. And Lord, that it will be something that we say is from something far greater than ourselves. God, I ask a special prayer tonight for the person who needs to be reminded. The person who needs to be reminded about where their joy comes from. 
God, I ask a prayer for all marriages tonight. For those of us that might have been faking it, for those of us who might just play nice when we come to a place like this, Father, I ask for the marriages and for the commitments that are here tonight that they will remember the very beginning of their journey. Father, that they will grab a hand that they need to grab. They will whisper something that needs to be whispered. Father, that they will look at somebody tonight and say this, you brought me joy at the beginning. You bring me joy every day. God, I pray for marriages, Father, who will try to do just that. God, I pray for elders at this church who may have been excited, who may have said, this is a position that I, I do desire. This is something I do want to do. And Father, maybe for some of them it's turned into meetings. It's turned into rituals. It's turned into routines. It's turned into checking in and checking out. And Father, because they are men and because they're human, I pray that they will have their joy restored if need be. God, I pray for the ministry staff here tonight. They can get busy. They can be active. They can be doing stuff and things all the time in Your name. But God, I pray for them. God, that they will take time to be refreshed and to look back and say, this is why I started. This is what this is all about. And Lord, ultimately tonight, I pray for all my brothers and sisters that are here. God, for those of us that are tired, numb, empty, worn out, God, I pray that we will go back. Back to where we started. Lord, back to where it all began and that we will remember our confession, our baptism, our excitement, our energy. God, that we'll go back to the beginning and say this, We just want to be people that have a joy that's real and authentic. And God, we know that you can restore that. And Lord, ultimately tonight, I pray that we'll help each other. If we work together, if we play together, if we live next to each other, if we do life together at all, God, I pray that we will be comfortable being open with each other because we know that our enemy wants us to be closed off. And finally, Lord, tonight at your feet, we ask this prayer. Give us the strength tomorrow, if you give us that day, to wake up, to hit the ground and to hit the door, and to say to Satan, you will not have my thoughts today. You will not take my joy today. You cannot have my life today because I belong to Jesus. And God, we thank you for giving us that gift, for giving us that name, and for giving us that voice that we can use against the evil one every single day. Thank you for giving us Jesus in whom we live and whom we have joy. It's in his name that we pray tonight. Amen.